Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Welcome back to Canusa Street. I'm Scotty Greenwood here with Chris Sands. We are delighted to have the conversation we're about to have. Uh, we're still talking about the border. It's still closed, uh, which is not good. The, at least the U.S. border is closed to Canadians coming across the land border. And one of the leading advocates in Congress uh, is the congresswoman from the 1st Congressional District of, of the state of Washington, Susan Del Benny, and uh, couldn't be more delighted that she's taking time to join us today, Chris. So so without further ado, let me turn it to you to give her the uh, the proper introduction. Oh, thank you, Scotty. Susan Del Benny is a star in Congress. She was elected in 2012 and is serving now as the vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. Interestingly, she's not a border state person by birth. She was born in Selma, Alabama, but her family moved her to Washington State very early on. She had a long career with Microsoft, um, one of the big firms in Washington State, um, and was one of the founders of Drugstore.com. Uh, so she's an entrepreneur as well. Um, she even served for a while as the director of the Washington State Department of Revenue. So she's got a very broad remit. She thinks about trade in a big way, but also in the small retail way. And on the border, you're absolutely right. She's been a real leader um, away from the border that we usually think about, you know, Buffalo and Detroit. This is a different border and uh, has some of the characteristics of other parts of the country. But she's been really a strong voice for for this border with its Cascadia Innovation Corridor, with uh, with regular trade between B.C. and Washington State. I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Congresswoman, we are delighted to have you. And at this particular moment the U today that we're recording, the U.S. government has announced that it is closing the border uh, or continuing the border closure with Canada uh, for another month, at least. We know the Canadian border opened on August 9th to fully vaccinated Americans. Um, we're frustrated by that. We know you are. Maybe you could just share your thoughts with us about the state of the border just to start off. No, um, thanks. I'm excited to be here. And um Absolutely. This is really um, incredibly difficult situation for our border communities. And in particular for Point Roberts, um, it is past time to open the border into Point Roberts. The community has been devastated by the border closure. Um, businesses have closed and are struggling to get by. Um, and I've been very disappointed that at a minimum, we haven't been able to make an uh, exception for Point Roberts and for the Boundary Bay border to, to allow Canadians to cross. Um, and I think there's also a lot of frustration in the community, understandably, that we don't have clear transparency on the metrics, um, kind of what the criteria are that go into making the decision so that folks can understand what is possible going forward to get to a reopening of the border. So this is, it's incredibly important. And this is, and we're talking about the land border in particular here. Um, folks have other ways to, to cross. Um, and, um, but we're talking about the folks who, these close relationships, the day-to-day -day back and forth across the border that's so critical. And um, that also needs to be a priority. So I have called for more transparency. I've called for immediate action, specifically on Point Roberts, but continue to think that, um, that there are ways that we can make sure that we're safely opening the border and, um, and make sure that we have kind of a reciprocal relationship with Canada. Uh, 
Congresswoman, let me follow up on that. Yeah, we think about border communities and the back and forth between, you know, uh, families and small businesses, but there's also out here a Cascadia Innovation Corridor concept to really link the tech communities on both sides. And I know you had a background in the tech sector yourself. Can you talk a little bit about how important the border is from a tech sector point of view? Absolutely. I mean, we have incredible, innovative talent on both sides of the border and um, folks working together to, to share that going back and forth. Um, the, the, there are things that we can do using uh, video communications, um, but I think we all know the value of people being able to engage together, share ideas, especially as we're talking about technologies or, um, or products be able to go through designs and iterate together. Um, there's been just an ongoing back and forth. And, and I'd say in the technology in the Cascadia Quarter, but also in areas like agriculture, and you can even combine the agriculture and technology together, um, so much uh, capability and possibility. So it really, there's work that's continued to happen throughout the pandemic. But there's so much more I think we know we can do if we're able to allow people to meet together, discuss ideas, and, um, and have the interaction that I think we all know and would love to see again everywhere. Mm -hmm. Co Congresswoman, we uh, we know that you're the vice chair of the very powerful Ways and Means Committee. For we've got Canadian and American listeners, and maybe some from other parts of the world. But that's a that's a very important committee uh, in which you have a leadership role. It has jurisdiction, among other things, over trade policy. And uh, uh, we, the Canadian American Business Council, hosted you and your colleagues during the NAFTA renegotiation rounds for a for a conversation in Montreal on one of those rounds. And we've been really pleased to to have a dialogue with you. You're so responsive and so uh, so forceful as an advocate for for workers and everything on trade. Could I know you hosted Ambassador Catherine Tai from U.S. Trade Representative. You probably know her from her days uh, on the committee, but uh, you hosted her a few weeks ago in your district. Can you talk to us a little bit about the trade issues that are top of mind for you, um, particularly with respect to Canada? Absolutely, it was it was uh, wonderful to have Ambassador Tai up in our district, and she came up to meet with, um, came up further north into Skagit County to meet with our farmers. Um, she uh, met with some members of the business community, and um, and we talked uh, just a variety of issues. We're the most trade dependent state in the country, so there's always lots to talk about when it comes to trade. But in particular, um, we talked a lot on the agricultural side. Uh, you know, clearly, there's a lot of um, sharing back and forth. Dairy is always an important topic when we're talking about the U.S. and Canada. So we talked about um, dairy market access um, and some of the ongoing work that's happening there to make sure we continue to, to have strong um, enforcement and guidance as on USMCA. Um, we talked about the kind of desire for folks to, who do business on both sides of the border to be able to move back and forth. And that's not necessarily just a trade issue, but also an issue that we were, like we were talking about before with respect to the border. Um, we talked a little bit about wine, um, which has also been an issue more specifically um, with British Columbia. Um, and so uh, the that was also an issue that came up. Um, and I know an issue that Ambassador Tai committed to bring up with her Canadian counterparts. Um, and so those were probably the, the, um, the big issues that addressed clearly kind of ongoing conversations as well. I'm also co-chair of the Digital Trade Caucus and to make sure that we're being 
really ahead of things as we think about digital trade and how really that is foundational across so many sectors of our economy. Everyone's using technologies now. Um, so um, make sure as we're moving forward that we have a strong relationship there and concerns about things like digital services taxes, other things that are um, really discriminatory and targeted for US companies and making sure that we're working together on the, uh, the kind of international approach that's being taken by the OECD. So um, that's some, like I said, there's a ton of things we're all working on together, but that's a, a glimpse of some of the things that we've talked about. Those are hot topics for sure. I just want to um, dig a little bit deeper, if I could, just to understand um, when, when you talk about dairy, let's talk about milk and wine for a minute. Um, when you talk about market access in Canada, is the is the new trade agreement, the USMCA, is it working? Uh, what's the What are the concerns uh, with it right now? Like, what is it that Ambassador Tai needs to do from the U.S. perspective on the on the issues of of dairy and and wine? Um, well, so on dairy, there's been some disputes with respect to um, dairy access and kind of the categories that have been used for for milk products. Um, the USTR has uh, brought up this case and put the USMCA enforcement tools to use to make sure that we have the agreement working as we intended to. Um, and, um, you know, I had signed on to a letter prior to the USTR announcement um, encouraging the ambassador to take the steps because we want to make sure we have a, a strong track record for success on USMCA and making sure that the goals that we have all agreed to are going to be met. So there will be a panel that looks at this case um, and you know, dairy and, and market access on dairy has been a big issue for a long, long time. So it's very, very important that we um, have agreement and have a, have a, um, a strong access as well for our dairy producers. So that's something that is being looked at right now um, and a case that's been brought up by USTR. So it sounds like USTR is a little more responsive than Department of Homeland Security to your concerns. But anyway, uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll change. Chris? Yeah, sure. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about solar panels. You know, it, it's funny, at dairy, we've been disputing for decades, but solar panels is kind of new. So what what's the issue there? And we all want to move to a greener world. We've got the Glasgow UN talks later this year. Why would the Canadians make it harder to get solar panels? Well, I think, um, you know, there was a getting rid of the safeguard tariffs that the Trump administration imposed on Canadian solar panels, I think is a win-win. Um, we wanna increase solar panel production um, and make solar panels more affordable for US customers. Um, it would also allow the US, uh, more Canadian investment in US solar panel manufacturing, which has been important right here in, in our region. We have um, a Canadian company wants to invest in um, expansion of production right here in Whatcom County. So, um, so, so that is an important one. Um, I sent a letter along with um, um, Congressman Larson from Washington State, as well as Senator Patty Murray to the U.S. Trade Representative asking for the administration to phase out those tariffs um, so we can see continue to see that work going forward. Oh, fantastic. And can I follow up a little bit on Point Roberts? I was thinking a bit about this. We're the country that did the Berlin airlift. 
and and we've left these Americans sort of isolated, and we haven't been able to find a way to get the Canadians to make an exemption. Talk, talk a little bit about how the people of Point Roberts are feeling these days, and uh, do they feel like we've we've abandoned them or forgotten them, or or I know you haven't for sure. Um, well, the Point Roberts obviously has been a unique challenge given the the dependency they have on being able to cross the border. Um, the Canadian border opening up and allowing transfer back and forth has been a, a huge help for Point Roberts. But I think the reason why the um, the opening on the U.S. side is so critical is that the economy of Point Roberts is very dependent on Canadians being able to come into Point Roberts. So we had two issues, Point Roberts folks being able to travel um, through Canada into the mainland U.S., which was important and it was very challenging for a long time during the pandemic. Um, but the ongoing issue that we have now is people from, um, from Canada being able to cross into Point Roberts. Many have properties in Point Roberts. Uh, many have uh, also come across on a regular basis to purchase things in Point Roberts. And so the stores and, and businesses in Point Roberts are very dependent on Canadians coming um, and uh, buying things from them. That really drives their economy and it's also very seasonal. And here we are um, it, around the, the summer season, we're coming to the end and with the border closed, it makes it even harder for these businesses to be sustained. It's hard anyway with the, with the seasonality and the unique situation of Point Roberts has been particularly hard um, when Canadians can't come in and places like the grocery store, the one grocery store in Point Roberts has talked about um, closing because they just have a, just a small percentage of their normal traffic into their store. And if the border's not reopened, they're not sure that they, how long they can stay in business. So we provided, the, the governor provided some resources there. I've been working on legislation to have more financial assistance for um, com the community of Point Roberts, but it continues to be a huge challenge because they need the, the ongoing going, um, uh, business that they get from Canadians when they come into Point Roberts. Thank you so much for that. You, you know, we only have a couple of minutes left, Congresswoman, and, and and it's clear for Point Roberts that Canada is is an enormously important relationship, uh, foreign relationship. I wonder if taking a step back um, and thinking more broadly about the United States relationship with our partners around the world, how do you stack rank Canada? Where where is the Canada U.S. relationship? In, in kind of order of order of magnitude and um and and how's it doing at the moment given given the concerns with the border and tariffs and everything else? Well, there's so many different ways. One, it's an incredibly important relationship, our close neighbor, but it's the the macro and the micro. And I say that because the day-to-day -day relationship is so important to our that across the northern border um, for so many communities. And if I look at the communities that I represent, that day-to-day -day, day -day impact is even greater. Um, the, the, not only the relationships, but the, the business bonds, what we talked about earlier in terms of the innovation that takes place across the border, the, the kind of reliance that we have on, on each other, all of that is hugely important, not just at that macro level when we talk about our international relationships, but really incredibly consequential at the at the community level, and 
Um, and that's why the land border in particular is so important because that's the community level. Those are the, the families who are kept apart, people who have properties on either side of the border trying to get back and forth. Um, the, con the, the close uh, ties of our economy where people cross the border to access certain goods and services, that is an that is day to day, which is as important as it gets. Exactly right. And it's true in Washington and British Columbia. It's true in, in Montana and Alberta, right, right across Vermont, Quebec, um, all the way up through Maine. So, uh, at Minnesota, we, we could go on and on, but, but thank you for that. And, and Chris, over to you for a final word. Well, I, I just, I guess I wanted to ask maybe one last question. In Congress, as you talk to some of the other members, not from the border district, but maybe from border states, is there is there a broader sentiment that um, that USMCA and other things are so important that we really need to take a look at our Canada relationship? Are there are there allies in the interior of the country who started to connect with with the border, hearing the stories that you've talked about and and some of the opportunities that we have cross border? Um, it's a priority. I mean, USMCA, as, as you know, is a huge priority um, across the country. Um, uh, and because, you know, we talk about the day to day in terms of proximity to the border and those relationships. But if we look at across so many different industries, um, the, the supply chains that take place back and forth, um, where solar panels might be a good example there that doesn't necessarily have to be just in uh, near the northern border. Those are relationships that can, can take place in other parts of the country. Um, it, is, it, it, it is a priority across the country. And I think the different members also um, in other areas that uh, um, in, as members of Congress would also say that this is a, a high priority relationship. I do think though that the northern border communities, it's, uh, you know, where it's a very close relationship. And so um, even higher priority there for all the economic issues, but also for the the day-to-day -day interactions, we, we share communities. Well, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for joining us on Canusa Street. Thank you for your uh, your leadership and your, your clear-sightedness about what needs to be done. We, um, we, we are so grateful to the dialogue that we have with you. You're so responsive. Your office is terrific. So uh, on behalf of Chris and me, we just want to say thank you so much. And thank you. So thank you for everything, but also thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Absolutely. And look forward to our ongoing work um, and hopefully see a, a lot of progress going forward, too. And I wish everyone to be safe and healthy right now. Well, Chris, that was both an insightful conversation and also in some ways a frustrating one. I don't know how many times we'll have to have episodes of Canusa Street with frustrated U.S. politicians talking about uh, how how the border continues to be closed uh, to Canadians. It's 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 becoming um confusing, I think, uh, and frustrating. And it's not just that uh, it's confusing and frustrating to us, but we're hearing that. We heard that directly from Congressman Higgins, from other members of Congress, and now from uh, Susan Del Benny, who is one of the leading voices. So uh, so what a, what a, what an honor for us to have her, but also it's, it's a little bit frustrating, uh, the state of affairs, don't you think? I do. I, what I think was interesting was the way that she broadened what we think of as the border. Yes, there are always communities like Point Roberts and 
cross-border shopping and those kinds of elements. But she was talking about solar panels. She was talking about high tech. There really is a lot that goes back and forth and you can't substitute the people to people contact. You can do a Zoom call. You and I have done many over the years, but uh, really important to have that face to face. And that's what makes the relationship work. And it's not just border communities. That's, that's the thing that strikes me. It, it really affects the whole country. Well, and you're seeing it firsthand because as we're talking, Chris, you're you happen to be in Bellingham, Washington. I'm in Washington, D.C. So we've got we've got different perspectives. Are you is it how does it feel to be out there right now with this border close? Can is it tangible to you? It, well, it is. And because when it's summer, it's August as we're taping this. And so normally in Bellingham, you'd have lots of people, Canadians coming down for the day, people doing their uh, back to school shopping because the taxes are lower. They do a tax holiday for um, first back to school shopping. So usually you see Canadians everywhere. It doesn't take long when you're at the bookstore or, or just wander around town. What you see now, it's just very uncrowded. It's as if everybody has left town and you kind of have the Canadian ghosts wandering around in Fairhaven or uh, on campus. It's it's a really strange year here. I guess we yearn for the days when the biggest uh, question about cross-border traffic was the relative value of the dollar versus the loony. And uh, that used to be the big deal. And, and it'd be nice to have those be nice to have that concern back again, wouldn't it? It would be. I mean, normally what they talk about up here is where the Sasquatch is. But uh, now it's Canadians <laughs> that are missing. <laughs> Their big feet are not being found on the streets of Bellingham or on Canusa Street. Seth. Or on Canusa Street. And I guess that wraps it up for today. Chris, always great to be with you. Great to be with you too, Scotty. Hope to be back on the East Coast soon. Yeah, we'll see you next time on Canusa Street. And maybe we'll have another member of Congress and maybe the next conversation will be about how the border just opened. One can hope. We can always hope. This podcast is brought to you by the Canadian American Business Council and the Wilson Center. If you like this episode, help others find our show and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.